A farmer's time is valuable. That's why Blaine's Farm and Fleet has made shopping for your must-haves quick and easy. Simply order online at farmandfleet.com and pick up your items in just one hour in their convenient drive-thru. Or try Farm and Fleet's same-day local delivery option. This is the Midwest Farm Report. From Good morning, and how are you? I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report, in for Farm Director Pam Yonke. It's Friday, the weekend is near, I'm glad you're taking along with me this morning. The weather doesn't look too bad today or into the weekend. We've got lots of sunshine coming up, and we can look forward to 60-degree temperatures on Saturday and Sunday. Both the Badgers and the Packers are away this weekend, so I'll probably have the radio going outside while I get some tours done. We'll have more forecast details coming up with our egg meteorologist, Stu Muck. Also in the hour, we'll hear from the Wisconsin Potato and Vegetable Growers. They've got a new website going to showcase environmental sustainability projects happening around the state. But before that, we'll hear from the Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection Secretary Randy Romanski about how they'll be spending half a million dollars from the USDA. The money is meant to support farmer mental health and stress management. But first, if you haven't gotten your Thanksgiving turkey yet, get it now. It's not that there won't be enough turkeys, but the size selection will be tight. Stay tuned for more on that. And thanks for hanging out with me as we kick things off this Friday morning. Rural keeping Wisconsin strong. As a proud sponsor of the WIAA, they care about your community like you do. They believe the communities that support their athletes are the true champions. Visit RuralMutual.com slash WIAA to learn how they support high school athletics. Rural Mutual Insurance, keeping Wisconsin strong. Next, the news about uh, the coronavirus pandemic may be getting the most attention all these supply chain disruptions. Bob Osol here at the northern end of the world's longest barn. We see that the port in Los Angeles is now working 24-7 to try and get some of this uh, equipment and product out, especially as the Christmas holidays get closer but uh, Pam, what's the update? Is uh, is it getting any better out there? Honestly, Bob, I think it depends what you're looking for. Fabulous farm babe Pam Yankee at the Southern End of the World's Longest Barn in Madison. You know, you've heard the stories about people waiting five, six months to get a new vehicle. Uh, plants in uh, with deer uh, being idled. Some of it's about labor, some of it's about supplies. But it all comes together to disrupt movement of products. And that impacts farmers in a lot of different ways. It's not just about your Christmas presents that might not arrive. It's also about uh, farmers continuing to be able to get work done. I know we lived with it on the farm. I had to drive 80 miles to pick up a part uh, because that's the only place in the state of Wisconsin we could find it. We were just lucky that we could. Those kinds of disruptions are becoming more and more commonplace. And Dr. Paul Mitchell with the Rank Agribusiness Institute says it's not going away at the end of the calendar year. In fact, he says he talks with experts that project these supply chain disruptions could stretch well beyond 2022. No, and all the signs are for it going on for, like, people saying another year of it before all this disruption gets worked through the system. So we're, it's here to stay for a while. Obviously, one of the big topics that's being discussed right now, end-of-the-year purchases for our farmers. We've been uh, 
kind of uh, agonizing over the prices we're seeing for 2022. Why don't you break it down for us, Paul? What have you been watching and what are your suggestions? Well, further applies, their prices have really jumped. Um, people can see that. Just call. If you haven't figured that out yet, you're, you need to wake up. Um, but they're out there, and it's not quite at record levels we saw back in 2008, but we're the highest we've seen since 2008. And it, there's not a lot of signs of it. Like I said, the this is going down soon because of the supply bottlenecks being um, opening up. And so I think what I've been telling people is it's not a bad idea to buy some, some of your fertilizer now. If you've got to have storage space um, or somewhere to put it, I do not recommend applying nitrogen this fall just because you got it. Um, just, but it's not a bad idea to buy some of it. But And then sit on the rest of your purchases, waiting to see if you can, will the prices come down? If they stay the same, you're fine. Um, and so I, I, I really think it's not a bad idea to buy some of your fertilizer. You know, we learned uh, about having a little inventory on hand on the farm, and I'm not just talking about fertilizer. It's been uh, in parts inventory, special uh, uh, items that you might need to keep the dairy running. I mean, honestly, Paul, it's kind of hitting us from one end to the other. Well, and it's random. It just seems to be strange things that they run out of. I mean, we've all heard the case New Holland having to shut down their machinery tractor production in Europe because they don't have the chips to make the tractors and um, you know, it's things like that. There are just certain parts that are missing. Um, so a lot of farms, those, you know, you've seen the, the inflation numbers have, like the machinery costs have risen, you know, X percent, but they don't capture the cost of the farmer's time to develop workarounds, um, the cost of searching for the parts. That's not, it, all they're tracking is the, the, the list price and that's going up, but there's a lot more costs in management time that aren't captured by that. And a lot of people are making their own parts or scrounging around in junkyards um, looking for pieces to fix old machinery um, or welding new parts. Do we pin our hopes on making that order today and anticipating it'll show up by next February, March? I would be very nervous about that. I mean, I have a friend who works for a company that's a large mail order catalog company. Um, and he said the company they normally work with, all of a sudden, like a few days before they're ready to print their Christmas catalogs, which is where they make all their money, oh, yeah, we don't have paper. Um, and it's like they knew about not having paper, just didn't tell it. And that's what I'd be worried about as a farmer. Oh, yeah, yeah, we'll have it in February. And they might not, and they won't tell you until the last minute. Um, and that's my concern. You really want to trust your distributor, your supplier, if you're going to bet, um, you know, bet the crop on having that available in you know, March or whenever you need it. I would be very nervous about that. Um, so if you can get it on your farm, if it's very important to having it, get it on your farm and control or have it stored somewhere where you know it's yours. Um, not all your fertilizer likely, but I think some of these things will happen. But I, if it's essential for your farm, try to make sure you can control uh, your access to it. Have you have you talked with farmers, Paul? I have a feeling that many farmers, if they've not experienced one of these shortage or multiple shortages, they are lulled into a false sense of security that it'll be the way that it was 2019 pre. Uh, it, we're talking about everything here from parts to operate machinery, uh, fertilizer, uh, even some of our herbicide for next year. Yeah, and like I said, it just seems strange things. There's a plenty of 2,4-D, but there's no Roundup or vice versa. Oh, you know, it's just things like that. And it's it's nothing to do with the, the, the it, it, it seems random. It's just because one container or one port is shut down somewhere while they're dealing with a COVID outbreak or something like that. And then it creates a backlog and it takes weeks or more to work that backlog through the system. And 
a lot of these essential workers are just were put, you know, stood up and did a lot of work for us during the pandemic. And now it's been a year and a half and they're tired and that, that you can only work that hard for so long. And the system is just backed up and it's, yes, there's a false sense of um, uh, comfort out there that you can just go get it. It's no, if you, I would do your input, we figure out what you need and figure out where it's available and do your best to lock it in. And if you can get the essential ones in some way where you own them on your farm or stored somewhere where they're, you know, they're, they're yours. Does this make you crazy as an ag economist that likes to have some certainty when you're doing your forecasting, when you're looking at what 2022 is going to cost us? This must make you a little batty, doesn't it? Well, it's just the stuff you never thought you'd see, uh, but it's exactly what's happened. I mean, the, the world economy has gotten very just-in-time oriented. That was the way to be super efficient, and now we're paying the price for all those years of having savings through just-in-time type of management. The whole supply chain is stretched, and um, it's it breaks in funny places for funny things, and you just can't predict what will be the thing that you want that's not there. Let's think about lessons learned then. Is this going to change the way that farms approach uh, inventory management? Are we going to see more farms coming together to try to have a little power when it comes to purchases? What are you noticing as far as what we've learned, lessons we've learned, Paul, and where we're going? Well, I think we're still sorting it out. Um, and, you know, everyone, change is always hard. No one wants to change unless you have to. And I think we're starting to realize we're going to have to. And so you're going to start, people are going to start having multiple sources for the same thing just to make sure before you just look for the cheapest one, buy it. Now you want to make sure, okay, we're going to find the three cheapest ones and develop relationships with all of them or the people you like to work with and keep those um, supply chains, your part open and communicating with them. So, you know, when they're running into troubles, they're willing to share it with you, let you know, Hey, we're going to be short. Um, it's going to take us a few weeks to get these, they say. So, you know, in communication, it's, and it's going to be, everyone's going to be, um, uh, developing multiple ways to do the same thing instead of just the one most efficient system. And so that's going to take us time to get that all geared up in terms of, you know, maintaining these new relationships and developing these new supply chains. You know, there was a time when we used to lean on one another. You know, if if you've got a machine that works, can I use it when you get done with it? Are we going to see uh, some of that returning or maybe it already has? Well, that's what I was telling people even before when the margins are so thin or negative and this stuff is, I remember my dad sharing um, certain pieces of equipment that they would buy together with a neighbor. And it's like, why not do that now? Especially some of this equipment has gotten so big and so expensive. And now it's gotten, so you, if yours breaks, you don't have it, it takes you a month to get it fixed. Well, that's when you rely on your neighbors. Um, that is definitely a model and um, ag has been good about that. Um, and so I think I haven't heard specifically, but it would not at all surprise me that we see friends and neighbors get together and work on uh, helping each other out when somebody's combine is broken and it's not going to be fixed for a month. Dr. Paul Mitchell, along with us, Ag Economist at the Rank uh, Agribusiness Institute. So we've been talking about the farmer side, the agriculture side of the supply chain situation, Paul. Uh, let's uh, give a little wake-up call perhaps to consumers. Uh, they've become a little alarmed when they don't see something like toilet paper on the shelves. More and more empty shelves showing up. If agriculture stumbles, that's only going to be amplified, isn't it? Yeah, and I mean, we're seeing already higher prices, and everyone's talking. This is globally. It's not just in the U.S., but everyone's talking. Consumers are going to see higher food prices, higher energy prices, and it's pushing inflation to the economy. And it, a lot of it is this disruptions of the supply chains. We're developing new supply chains, running more than one. So you're running parallel supply chains for the same input. 
takes a while to develop all that, and that's the time. That's and how do you how do you ration these things out? You raise the prices when there's not enough available. You raise the prices so only those who really want it buy it. Well, like you said, if you can get your hands on some of those items that you worry you'll need, try to do it now. Don't wait, and definitely don't assume that because you clicked a button or you uh, hung up the phone that that order you just placed will show up on time. Dr. Paul Mitchell from the Rank Agribusiness Institute, Ag Economist, along with us. From the southern end of the world's longest barn in Madison, I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. The Madison Police Department and Madison Area Crime Stoppers need your help with the robbery investigation. On October 22nd, at approximately 4 a.m., officers were dispatched to the Walgreens in the 7800 block of Mineral Point Road for an armed robbery. A masked black male entered the Walgreens, confronted the clerk with a firearm, and demanded cash from the register. They then fled from the store. Officers were able to conduct a canine track, which ended in the 7900 block of Tree Lane. The suspect is described as tall and muscular, wearing a gray sweatshirt, dark sweatpants, and purple shoes. If you have any information regarding this incident, please contact the Madison Police Department at 608-255-2345. If you wish to remain anonymous, please contact the Madison Area Crime Stoppers at 608 266 6014 or on the web at p3tips.com. Individuals contacting Crime Stoppers can receive up to $1,000 in cash rewards for tips that lead to an arrest. If you talk they will hear you. We all want our kids to grow up safe and healthy, so we show them how. And we tell them with honest conversations that let them know what we expect. Not just one time, but every chance we get. That's especially important when it comes to alcohol and other drugs. Kids not only need to know the dangers and how to avoid them, they need to hear it often from you. And when it comes to pain medications, opioids, they need to know that they should never be taken without a prescription and never shared with friends or family. It's dangerous and illegal. So talk with your kids and guide them through the challenges of growing up safe and healthy. Because when you talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. So talk, they hear you. You can do it if you try. If you need to know about farming, then you need to know Pam Yonke. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Yonke. It's time now for your Compere Financial Egg Weather Update with our egg meteorologist, Stu Muck. Stu, at last look, harvest is ahead of normal. Corn is two-thirds of the way through. Soybeans are about 85% done. Do we have any rain in the forecast, though, that could inhibit the rest of this season's harvest? Not for a few more days, Stephanie. I mean, heading into this weekend, things look tremendous. Let's talk upper or below normal temperatures, if you will, upper than normal. That's a good one. But those temperatures will be rising. There's a pretty good chance a lot of us will see 60s yet this weekend and even early next week. That's way above our normals that are in the low 50s. And along with that mild air, there's no precipitation. It really does sound like a fine weekend coming out ahead of us. A little breezy yet today and tomorrow. High pressure slipping off to the east-south winds. will stay a bit breezy, gusting up toward 25 and 30 today, even up toward 25 tomorrow. 
that may add a bit of a chill if you're out in the breeze, but that's about the most it's going to be. Still very, very fine weather in store, and I expect those temperatures to stay very mild right through the weekend, right into next week. No precipitation to even talk about in the radar anywhere near us. There's a little activity way out in eastern Montana this morning, and it's going to stay out there. Florida getting some rain. The northeast part of the country going to see a little rain, too, in the next day or so. We are going to stay high and dry. Some sprinkles may cross into northern Wisconsin late tonight or just into early Saturday. The rest of us fare much better. Dry, sunny, nice into next week. It's about Wednesday, toward Wednesday night. When that next chance of a shower may actually begin to edge on in. So, I mean, we're talking about five days here that we should capitalize on because it's dry and nice and really sounds pretty comfortable for the outdoor work. We don't have to have on all those layers just to get anything done, with the exception of during that breeziness today or tomorrow. I'll be back with our forecast details right after this. The Wisconsin Soybean Association works hard to share the voices of Wisconsin soybean growers at the state and national level. And you can become a member at badgerbean.com. Besides a voice in Washington, WSA members receive free seed, discounted event tickets and products, not to mention news on the latest in soybean research and technology. And being a member of the Wisconsin Soybean Association also makes you a member of the American Soybean Association. So join today at badgerbean.com and help the Wisconsin Soybean Association go to work for you. Stephanie Hoff back with your Compere Financial Ag Weather Update with our Ag Meteorologist, Stu Muck. Stu, so, I mean, it looks like this weekend is going to be absolutely beautiful. And what about higher temps than what we would normally see this time of year? Well, absolutely. I mean, we're going to be talking about daytime highs, especially Sunday toward Monday. We'll probably up around that 10 or 15 degree above normal range. Our normal's now very low 50s, 50, 51, some 40s further north in Wisconsin. So when we start talking about low and maybe even mid-60s, that's a far cry from where we should be. So starting it out on this Friday, sunny, breezy, and not bad conditions, a little on the above-normal side. I'd expect near mid-50s, you know, 53 or 54 to the southeast, and mid-50s, 55, 56 to the west. With the south winds increasing today, 10 to 20, some gusts up toward 25 or 30 miles per hour in the afternoon. Overnight, partly cloudy. We drop back into the upper 30s. The south winds, 5 to 15, will be a bit gusty. Still sunny for Saturday, another fine day. Very upper 50s and low 60s more likely. Southwest winds, 5 to 15, some gusts around 20. Mostly sunny Sunday. I'll call it mid-60s, 64 or warmer in many locations. South winds at 5 to 10, sunny and low 60s on Monday at Stephanie, sounding fantastic. Not so breezy, wrapping up the weekend starting next week. That allows things to uh, stay dry, and that sunshine certainly helping. So this is the weekend to get out, take advantage of it, and, and make all those plans to get things done you know, winterizing everything around buildings. If you've got the corn in, just to take advantage of the good conditions, wouldn't you say? Oh, I would totally agree. In fact, I was just going to say, we should probably enjoy it while it lasts. You know, Stu, my mom is actually a nut about the Farmer's Almanac. So she's always reading it and telling me, you know, what to expect this season. And she said uh, recently, she called me and told me that this winter was going to be terrible and long. And I'm like, isn't every winter terrible and long? But I don't know. <laughs> Any, uh, can you forecast some of that up for us? What, what do you think we'll expect this winter? It's all in your point of view. I've been hearing about what's going on in the, the Pacific Ocean currents. You know, La Nina, El Nino, we're supposed to be in a La Nina. 
from what I've seen. And there probably will be some of that colder and, and wetter weather, but that's going to hold off till, you know, January, February into March. So let's enjoy this really nice November pattern. I agree. Thank you so much, Stu. That is your Compere Financial Egg Weather Update. Compere Financial is your financial partner committed to agriculture and rural America. You can visit Compere.com. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. This looks like a car. Has tires. Headlights, a hood, windshield wipers. The doors look like car doors. Open like them, too. There's a front seat, back seat, steering wheel. 99.9% of the time, this would be a car. But it's not. This is a bedroom. Anita Washington's for five weeks. There are people like Anita all across Dane County. And because the need is there, so are we. This year, we'll provide Anita and other women, children, and men with nearly 20,000 nights of shelter. Just one part of more than $1.4 million in food, clothing, furniture, and other goods and services we provide. We're St. Vincent de Paul, helping our neighbors in need. Looking for that unique, one-of-a-kind engagement ring, something that you can customize yourself, maybe a gorgeous pendant necklace, diamond earrings. The place to go, Goodman's Jewelers. They're an icon in Madison. They've been around forever and right on State Street in their same location, a couple blocks from the state capitol. They're the place to go to when it comes to buying jewelry. Goodman's Jewelers has everything from the more traditional style jewelry for your engagement rings, pendants, necklaces, earrings, to the more modern styles as well. They can customize and create anything for you. Unique, funky diamonds, one-of-a-kind pieces, Stuff you won't find anywhere else and price range for everyone. When you step into Goodman's Jewelers, you'll feel the warmth and you'll feel welcome. They'll treat you just like family. You want to go somewhere where you can trust when you're buying jewelry for that special someone? Then remember my friends and family at Goodman's Jewelers. Right there, a couple blocks from the state capitol on State Street. Goodman's Jewelers. Are you fairly fit but would love a little edge up? Are you entering middle age with a slowing metabolism and weak core? MSculpt may be your answer. A skincare minute with skincare expert, Michelle Neeson. Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie is proud to be one of the first clinics in the area to offer this new muscle building technology called MSculpt. It's approved for building and toning abs, arms, butt, thighs, and calves. MSculpt works. One 30-minute treatment can be equivalent to 20,000 crunches or 20,000 squats. It's safe, effective, and painless with virtually no downtime. Sound too good to be true? Visit Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie to learn more. Let your natural beauty shine through. View our specials at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. Email from school about the incident today. Scary. Tell me about it. Did you have any idea that was going on? None. I mean, you saw Derek at the game last night, too. Did you have a clue? No, but you know, teachers like me, parents, we don't always know as much as you guys do. Kids hear first about what's going on with other kids. 
Half the time, it's rumors. It can be hard to tell sometimes, but if you're ever concerned about a friend who's having trouble with alcohol, prescription drugs, bullying, violence, anything, you need to tell an adult. Mom or me, a teacher, coach, school counselor, someone you know and trust. Dad, no kid is gonna tell an adult about that kind of stuff. I get it, but if we don't know, we can't help. Speaking up about a problem, that's what helping a friend is all about. For more information, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Tom Spitz and David Fink of Settlers Bank. We understand you work hard, so we work hard to make banking easy. Settlers Bank has all the solutions that simplify. Let us show you directly how it works. People helping people is better than an 800 number, don't you think? To learn more, stop by or visit SettlersWI.com. Settlers Bank, timely decisions, people you know. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. With the holidays coming up, it's always great to have some extra money for gifts, the family vacation you've all been waiting for, or home improvements. At Educated Mortgage, get that done for you with a cheap and easy refinance. Educated Mortgage, the smartest way home. Call Dan, the Mortgage Man. NMLS number 222652. Robbie, yes, big news out of Green Bay, centered around, as usual, Aaron Charles Rogers. Man, I don't even know where to begin on all this one. So Rogers, Robbie, uh, COVID-19, the news came out that he was going to be out at least 10 days because uh, Alan Lazard was unvaccinated, only had to do five days. He never tested positive for the virus. He was just a close contact of what I'm assuming is Devontae Adams. Rogers, though, what the 10 days means, he's got positive COVID tests, right? That's, that's correct, right? The 10 days means that- he has it? That, that is absolutely correct, Ebo, and, and the earliest he could return would be the 13th, which is the day before the Seattle game. Okay, so, Rob, when it looks at you know, Aaron Rodgers, that 10 days means that he's unvaccinated in the eyes of the NFL. It didn't, I know he petitioned for the homeopathic treatment that he got, uh, I think the rumor is in Canada. They met with the NFL, the PA, uh, some doctors, and they said no. So then the question then becomes, uh, everyone wants to vilify Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur on the podium, I know Ian Rappaport was talking about yesterday. Did, was he breaking protocols? Was he, you know, what's going on? Is he going to be getting fined, losing draft picks? Like, what's, do you know what's going on with, first, the implications of Rodgers potentially breaking protocols? Yeah, you know, the, the, we're going to find that out here, how the NFL views that, Evo, over the, over the, I would assume, the next week or two when they do a deeper dive and investigation into this. You know, I, I, I would ask the question, you know, how, what has the NFL been doing the first eight or nine weeks of the year? Uh, I mean, th- they watch him come to the podium unmasked every single time he, he does a press conference. And, and, and Evo, you know, I, I, I'm not one who's a, who's a big believer in telling people they must get this shot and, and things to that effect and that it needs to, to be a government mandate and, and this, that, and the other thing. I, I do think it's, you know, at least my opinion is it, it's up to the individual. But but here's the thing, Evo. If, if the NFL did not view him as, as vaccinated, and, and we clearly know they did not, you know, he everything he did moving forward um, shows that he believes he's kind of above the rules and above the law um, by by showing up at press conferences without a mask. Evo, he was. He was inactive for the three preseason games, and the, and the letter of the law states that 
you know, your, your guys that are inactive, that are unvaccinated, needed to be on the sidelines with masks. He wasn't there. He obviously broke protocol um, at the Halloween party last weekend. Um, there, there are going to be several other instances, I'm sure, that pop up when they look at the cameras that Green Bay has allegedly, you know, planted all, all through the facility in the building. You know, Evil, I think we've got a situation here where, where the Packers were looking the other way, where the NFL was looking the other way, and Rodgers just did whatever the hell he felt like doing. And, and what that's going to amount to when this is all said and done uh, we'll find out. You know, I think the highest fine up until now has been five hundred thousand to a team. That I think somebody was it lost. the Titans. They lost some draft picks too for practicing at like yeah, a high school I think field. They lost a sixth or a seven um, in their evil, but you know, so it's a it's a late late pick. And 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 let's let's be honest, five hundred thousand to a team like the Green Bay Packers with a, with almost a half a billion dollars in cash reserves is, is absolutely nothing. We'll see what that fine ends up being, but I do think that's where this is going to head, Evo. And and I think you know guys like Lafleur and Gutekunst and Murphy, even though Gutekunst and Murphy refused to ever jump in front of a podium and talk, <laughs> they leave poor poor Matt Lafleur out there to do their dirty well, work. Rob, they got stock coming day. up for sale. They have stock coming up for sale. What do you mean? Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you talk about a couple of jokers that want to, you know, dodge the media at every point possible, Evo. Uh, you know, when you're the GM or, you know, the, the alleged president of, of this football team <laughs> and you've got a story this big, it might be nice to hear from those specific leaders in terms of what the hell was going on, right? And and instead you leave your, your poor head coach to answer every question about that or guys like Kenny Clark and Aaron Jones to to step in and do your dirty work yesterday. So, no, Evo, I'll be, uh, I'll be real interested to see how, how this plays out. But I think, like you touched on there, that's exactly where they're heading. I, I, I think this will wind up being a situation where the Packers are, are both fined and potentially lose a draft pick. Yeah, I saw the NFL release a statement saying the primary responsibility for enforcement of the COVID protocols within each club rests on the club themselves. I'm sure that the NFL did say they'll step in, though. So we'll, we'll see. More will be revealed in this situation, right, Robbie? So uh, we'll see. LaFleur on the podium yesterday, though, saying that they haven't done anything wrong. They have cameras everywhere, yada, yada, yada. I heard Ian Rappaport on the Pat McAfee show saying that Rodgers and the Packers didn't do anything wrong. But then, as you alluded to, the preseason games. Now I know, like you know, not wearing a mask on the sideline when you're inactive is a you know protocol. God forbid if Rodgers comes here to a, a Badgers game. An industry that feeds the world is definitely an industry worth talking about. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. If you're just joining us, I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. Sitting in the big chair today for Farm Director Pam Yankee from the Alcivia Farm News Desk. Here's what's happening on a Friday. There was a sales trend last year of consumers wanting smaller birds for Thanksgiving, and that trend is continuing this year. Pete Klopak is the president of the Minnesota Turkey Research and Promotion Council. He says turkey will not be hard to get this year, but if you want a particular size of bird, you want to get that turkey order in right now. There was a trend last year, I think, uh, as far as sales go into consumers looking for a smaller bird. And um, I think that's continued into this year. You know, I've heard rumors, too, of there being shortages of birds and things like that. Our company, we buy turkeys for all of our employees. And I just went out last week and and bought 35 whole birds for everybody that works here. So I don't think they're real hard to get. Um, The only thing I would say is if people know the size of bird that they want, they might want to get it sooner than later. You start to worry about um, uh, supply chain and, and everything that 
all industries are dealing with right now or getting the right size bird to the right area all the time is probably happening. So that's the only um, advice I would have for consumers is to to go and get that bird either pre-ordered if it's a if it's a fresh bird or a frozen bird, um, just go pick it up already. And then you make sure you have it for Thanksgiving. Have producers, uh, because there was that uptick in demand for smaller birds, have producers shifted at all to, to have smaller birds or to meet that demand? Yeah, and definitely. Well, our industry. Um, we have producers and companies that raise hens and toms. Primarily the birds that people buy for Thanksgiving are the hen birds, the whole birds. You know, if that's what they're looking for, toms are generally for the processed meats, um, deli meats, that type of thing. My company or the company that I'm part owner of is a family-owned company. We raise for a, a local processor as independent growers, and we raise all hens. What we used to raise three, four years ago was a 21, 22-pound bird. That was our target weight, and that's live weight. Obviously, if once it's processed, and put in in store shelves or coolers that's usually about an 18 to 20 pound bird but yeah we've seen our end weights our target weights go down from 21 and a half 22 pounds all the way down to 17 and a half to 18 which kind of messes with the whole system <laughs> so yeah we've, we've adjusted a ton um, we've remodeled farms we've remodeled sites we've made some sites that were starter farms where we put the little birds in till four weeks old turn those into growers because the barn size is just matched up with the other ones so yeah there's been a huge change and um, and as a grower it's kind of been a bit of a struggle because a lot of our costs are already into that bird you know once they reach that 18 19 pounds you know, we're not running too much heat anymore. We're going to have the shavings, that bedding that the turkeys are standing on. You know, that's going to be the same price, uh, whether 18 pounds or 20 pounds. So those last three, three and a half pounds have really hurt us. Pete Klopak says this is because in turkey production, those last three pounds are known as the cheap pounds or the pounds that give producers a profit. The industry is trying to adapt to that change quickly. We're talking about other commodities next with your market update. Before we talk about markets, I learned something new this week. Tomorrow is National Bison Day. The first Saturday in November honors the official national mammal of the United States. The North American bison has played a cultural, economic, and environmental role in our country's history. Bison are central to the livelihood of Native Americans, and today they're an important alternative commodity in Wisconsin's ag economy. There's currently more than 7,000 bison in Wisconsin. They represent over $20 million in agricultural revenue. This weekend could be the weekend you try a bison burger for the first time in honor of National National Bison Day. From Chicago, December corn is trading at 560 and three quarters, up one and a half. November soybeans are down one and three quarters at 1207 and a half. December wheat is up five at 778 and three quarters. July wheat is also up five at 784. And now let's take a look at our dairy markets this Friday morning. November milk is down two cents at 1788 a hundredweight. December milk is also down two cents at 1779 a hundredweight. And January milk is also down two cents at 1807. On the close yesterday, barrel cheese is down five and a quarter at a dollar fifty-one and three quarters. The forty-pound block cheese is down three and three quarters at a dollar sixty and a half. And double A butter is down a half at a dollar ninety-three and a half. You know, we talk about the talk text line primarily for rainfall reports, but I've got a question for you this morning. Do you cut down your own Christmas tree? I'm going to cut down my own tree from my property this year. I've been watching YouTube videos on how to do it, but if you have any tips for me, maybe something you wish you knew before you did it, text me through our talk text line. That number is 877-301-FARM. 
Again, 877-301-FARM. Farm Director Pam Yankee already told me if the tree is too big, make sure you trim from the base and not the top. And to be honest with you, I probably would have trimmed it from the top and that would look pretty bad, as you can imagine. So again, any tips for cutting down a Christmas tree, let me know through our talk text line 877-301-FARM. Here's what we got coming up next for you. The Wisconsin Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection got a half a million dollars from the USDA to boost farmer mental health support and stress management. Stay tuned for what DATCAP will spend it on from Secretary Randy Romanski coming up next. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. Sign up for daily agriculture updates by joining our email list. Head to MidwestFarmReport.com, enter your email address, and we'll handle the rest. More farm news straight ahead. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Have prairie exteriors add more value to your roof? Right now, get free gutters or leaf protection with the purchase of any roof. Imagine a new roof to highlight your home outlined by stunning handcrafted gutters for free from Prairie Exteriors. Improve the look and value of your property with one of the area's highest rated exterior companies, Prairie Exteriors. Prairie Exteriors, now that's impressive. PrairieExteriors.com In today's ultra-competitive home market, it's important that you have a local lender on your side to get your offer accepted. Sellers and realtors want to work with me because they know there will be no surprises and the deal get done on time. Educated Mortgage, the smartest way home. Call Dan, the Mortgage Man. NMLS number 222652. So I wanted to talk with you and your mom today, Lily, because some people at school have noticed changes going on with you, and we're concerned. Like what? Who? Some of your friends, teachers. Sounds like you've lost interest in a lot of things lately. You're hanging with new friends? So? So, individually, maybe those things are no big deal, but taken together, and then the incident the other day, you were with Derek when he was caught selling marijuana. Yeah, he was selling it. Honey, we know. But we care about you and and want to know what's going on. That's right. We just want to understand better and see how we might help. And if weed is a part of it, we just want to make sure you understand the negative consequences for someone your age. The physical and mental health effects, poor decision making, and the confusing legal aspects these days. So what do you say? Can we talk? For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. Rough hands, dirty boots, and farming roots. It's all we know. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Between supply chain issues and workforce challenges, our farmers are under a lot of stress. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report. With that in mind, the Department of Agriculture, Trade, and Consumer Protection will use a half a million dollars from the USDA to help Wisconsin farmers manage their stress and get access to mental health resources. DATCAP Secretary Randy Romanski shares more. We are, are fortunate that our agency was, uh, was successful to help uh, receive this funding to strengthen mental health programming and stress management. We just received 
$1,000 from USDA Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Network. And that's going to go to promote, develop, and increase stress management and mental health resources for Wisconsin farmers. Yeah, and I mean, you're doing this by basically more outreach, right? More outreach materials, even hopping on the web and, and doing videos. The specific things we're going to be doing uh, with this with this funding is creating, printing, and distributing outreach materials. And also, as, as we talked a little bit earlier, using a set of videos on stress identification, prevention, and management. This is uh, another way to reach farmers. Uh, what we've all seen is that agriculture is, is stressful. Farmers have a, have a stressful, stressful profession as they work to feed us all. And it's really important that we have tools available to them. We, we see it manifest itself in so many different ways, fluctuating market prices, the disruptions in the supply chain that we just talked about, uh, weather issues that change from year to year. This funding is going to help us build some mental health resources to try to overcome those challenges and provide, uh, again, provide high-quality, nutritious food for uh, our state, nation, and world. Not only that, but, you know, Wisconsin has diversity in its farming community, and you guys are also going to make those mental health resources more accessible, specifically to the Hmong and Latino communities. That's correct. It's really important that we're making sure that the messages go out to the diverse farming community in Wisconsin. That's, that's important that we serve as, as that resource in that way. What I also think is unique is some of the partnerships that you guys are going to expand on with the College of Ag and Life Sciences at UW-Madison and then also the Midwest Organic and Sustainable Education Service. It's a mouthful, but the acronym is MOSES. Tell me a little bit about why you decided to put money into um, advancing those partnerships. Well, it helps It helps strengthen the network, Stephanie. Uh, one of the things that we've found is that we have a small, uh, we have a very hardworking, very dedicated staff at, at the Farm Center uh, who do wonderful things working with, with farmers and, and their families and, and trying to help wherever they can. But we've, we've noticed that it's, it's even more important for us to increase our network and have additional partners because then we can make services available to even, even more farmers who might need it. Um, one of the things that the USDA indicated when we applied for these funds is that having a, a, a larger network or building a network is really important with how these funds get used um, so that we you know, build a foundation of more people who are ready, willing, and able to help. Um, the governor's budget included uh, $100,000 for programming. That's, that's what we have available to do things. Uh, like a 24-7 hotline, counseling vouchers, and, and farmer mental health support groups. But this additional $500,000 we've gotten from the USDA will let us build networks with other organizations who can be kind of more hands on deck uh, to provide better access to uh, stress management uh, programming. So you guys have made the announcement that you have the money or that you're getting the money. When will we start seeing DATCAP start spending these dollars? We now that we've received the fund, we've got some with the funds. We've got some programming in place, as I mentioned. Uh, we'll start to see some of these, uh, some of the programs uh, and the partnerships uh, developing now as we move forward, and uh, we'll continue to supplement the, the the programs that we already do through the Farm Center. Uh, stress shows up in a lot of different ways, and and it's important that we have a lot of a lot of different tools available, different programs available to help farmers. 
wherever possible. Secretary Romanski, beyond what you're doing with this money, you're also looking for state money to expand more mental health resources. You know, as I was talking a little bit earlier about the importance of partnerships, and this grant helps us develop some of those things. Something that uh, that we'd like to continue to do is, is have additional resources out in the field if we're able to. I know Governor Evers proposed something in his last budget to try and get some additional farmer mental health programs uh, and, and staff out closer to farmers where they where they live and work. Um, that wasn't included in the final version of the budget that came back to him, but that's something that he continues to be interested in. Again, developing uh, and building that network uh, to have resources available to farmers is, is important, and, and we will uh, continue our best efforts to, to deliver that service. And here at the Midwest Farm Report, we'll continue to update you on farmer mental health initiatives here in Wisconsin. That was DATCAP Secretary Randy Romanski on $500,000 his department got from the USDA to help farmers manage stress and get access to mental health resources. News from the Wisconsin Potato and Vegetable Growers Association coming up next. The Wisconsin Potato and Vegetable Growers Association has launched a new website. It's called FarmersForCleanWater.com. The new site highlights the industry's efforts to ensure clean water statewide. The association's executive director, Tamis Houlihan, explains more. Well, the farmers do such a great job with water conservation that we felt it was time to highlight some of their initiatives. And so we've got a website dedicated to everything they do with regard to water work, whether it's water quantity or water quality. It covers some of their irrigation and conservation practices. It highlights a producer-led watershed protection grant that we received this past year where we have six farms in the Little Plover River watershed who are working really hard to maintain the flow of the river and to improve the overall quality of the water in that watershed. Um, And that ties in directly with the Little Plover River Watershed Enhancement Project, which we're also uh, working on with some of those same growers. Um, and so the website is just a way to show all the good things that the farmers are doing. We've got a huge commitment to research and technology to help us improve water quality in Wisconsin. And so we thought it was time to highlight all the things the growers are doing in those areas, uh, particularly with regard to research. We've got some really good cutting-edge projects going on using state-of-the-art technology with an eddy covariance flux tower project in cooperation with the University of Wisconsin's Atmospheric and Oceanic Sciences Department. It's really the most accurate way to measure evapotranspiration. And what that is, is anytime a crop uses water, there's some evaporation of the water and there's some transpiration from the foliage. And so this flux tower measures that very accurately, and then the growers know exactly when and how much water to apply to their irrigation systems to meet the crop's optimum needs. And so that's just one of the many projects uh, that we have going. What motivated the association to launch a website showcasing all these valuable water conservation partnerships and practices? Was it the producers or was it the consumers? Well, part of it was the fact that, you know, there were a number of water bills brought forth in 2020, but with COVID, a lot of them were stalled in the legislature. 
And we wanted to show folks that, you know, regardless of what happens in Madison, we are going to continue to do our diligent work on conserving water and, and improving water quality. And we just thought, you know, it's time to show some of the excellent things that our growers are doing. And so we just have so many success stories. We wanted to highlight them all in one place. And so, you know, between some of the basic practices that we do all the time, like petiole sampling to, again, try to determine exactly what the crop needs in terms of nutrients and then applying just the right amount in small quantities to try to prevent leaching. Um, We're using low-pressure irrigation systems, the drop nozzles, you know, trying again to prevent evaporation. And, and putting the water very low to the ground, right into the crop canopy. Um, there's all kinds of things that we do every day that conserve and protect the water and the environment. And we just thought it was time to, to let the world know about it. Yeah, is it only potato and vegetable growers that are highlighted on the website, or is it farmers of all commodities? It's primarily potato and vegetable growers, but we do have a dairy farmer who is part of our producer-led watershed protection grant, uh, Phelps Dairy Farms, and and they've joined the WPVGA. Um, He grows some grain crops um, in addition to his his beef and and dairy operation. And so it's generally speaking about potato and vegetable growers, but it does talk about agriculture in general, um, and it also touches on you know, how we feed America and and how critical agriculture is to our state's economy. I mean, specialty crops alone, you know, are valued at over a billion dollars annually with an additional $5 billion value and 35,000 jobs in processing. And that's no small potatoes. We're really proud of this Farmers for Clean Water website. Um, We feel like the growers do so much and they deserve some credit. Um, for what they are doing, I encourage folks to go visit that site. Hand in hand with these water conservation practices, Tamas Houlihan expressed support for cover crop incentives. Legislation for this has floated around the state capitol. It would include a small insurance premium rebate of $5 per acre for farmers who plant cover crops. Cover crops are planted after crops are harvested. They reduce excess nitrogen and prevent erosion. Houlihan calls it a good conservation practice. And that wraps us up here for a Friday morning. Thanks for taking along with me. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke.